What's up, football fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Fans First Football Show. I am Jeff Hartman, one of the hosts of this Fans First Football Show. Joining me, as always, Rob Stats Guerrero. What's up, Rob? How's it going? Uh, I've been better, Jeff. How are you? <laughs> well, my team finally won a game, and we don't even get to talk about them because it happened on Saturday, and your team did not. Uh, folks that are listening, you know, this is a different day and time. Normally, this show runs around noon on Monday. Due to the holiday, we pushed it back to Tuesday. It's going to be an abridged version of our typical platform show where we're not going to go over every single game in its entirety. Some of these games were meaningless outside of draft order. That, that's it. So we're going to focus on the games that really did matter. And I felt like I, we should start with the big games. And I'm going to start on Saturday night. I'm sorry, Sunday afternoon, Cowboys-Dolphins in Miami. The Dolphins win 22-20. to dropping the Cowboys. Rob, what were your thoughts on this game? My thoughts on this game were the Cowboys did the right thing, drove down the field, got a late score in the game. Everything you want your MVP quarterback, Dak Prescott to do right. Scored. Yay. Congratulations. Touchdown pass. Awesome. You take the lead, but the Dallas defense can't hold it. They can't stop Miami from going down and getting a last second field goal. Everything is going to be forgotten. And all the questions about the Cowboys are going to remain, right? When they play good teams, they lose. When they play on the road, the offense looks like a shell of itself, which was true again. And so it's just more of the same for the Dolphins or for the Cowboys. Excuse me. The same questions you had going into the game about the Cowboys are the same questions you have coming out of it. It's it's really odd. It, if, if it's not the offense, I think about the Philadelphia game in Philly where Dak steps out of bounds on the conversion and they just cannot get out of their own way. And wasn't it this game where Tony Pollard was literally stopped inches from the goal line? Yes. And these weird things happen to the Cowboys. It's just so, so strange and ironic. And then the defense, which should have been their calling card this year, when you think about Micah Parsons and players like that, they can't stop them when they need to. They just need one stop. And Miami just kind of methodically moves their way down the field. They're in field goal range. I'm thinking this game is done. And it was. So what's your takeaway from the Dolphins side of this, though, Rob? Well, this was nice for the Dolphins because I kind of had the same questions about them, right? When they play a good team, they don't look the same. Now, to be fair, I mean, they didn't light up the scoreboard in this one. They only put up 22 points, which is far below their season average. But they racked up 375 total yards six yards per play. Eh, I'll say this. They got to win. And if they had lost, I would have killed them. I would have called them frauds. I would have called them, you know, able to beat up bad teams, but not able to beat up good teams. I would have been on Tua, but they didn't. They won. They pulled out a gritty game. And and there's something to be said for your team when you can win your clunkers, as uh, I've heard people say. Like when you're not at your best, but you can still get a win, especially in the manner that they did driving down late in the game when they had to have it and sticking it, you know, through the uprights at the end. You deserve credit for that. I'm not going to bang on the Dolphins today. No, absolutely not. Because like you said, what's the narrative that we were looking at this whole season? Can they beat good teams, especially when they're not playing at their best? We saw the same performance against the Bills earlier in the season when the Bills absolutely crushed the Dolphins and they found a way to win. So they busted that narrative, at least for this week. Meanwhile, Dallas' narratives are going to continue to run wild as they now drop to 10-5. and five. And you look at their final two games against the Lions and the Commanders. It's going to be interesting to see how things play out. I don't think the East has been locked up, has it, Rob? Uh, no, the East has not been locked up. The Eagles still control their own fate in that division, and the Eagles' schedule was pillowy, pillowy soft. They they beat the Giants this week, which we'll get to. Then they play the Cardinals, and they play the Giants again. 
So it's going to be in Philly's hands. And obviously, uh, this loss uh, hurts Dallas, but they're still going to be no worse than the five seed, I think. So let's let's catapult this game into the next game I wanted to talk about, which is actually shifting days. We're going from we're going from Christmas Eve to Christmas Day. The Ravens are now going to play the Dolphins. So the Dolphins next week go to M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore in a game that is going to decide, depending on how things finish, could decide the number one seed in the AFC. The Ravens beat the 49ers. They're 12 and three. The Dolphins are 11 and four. And you're looking at this Ravens team. And Rob, I'm going to get your take on it from the other side of this, but the Ravens beat the, the 49ers 33 to 19. They get four interceptions off of Brock Purdy. What's your takeaway from this one? Ravens smashed them, plain and simple. It was a beatdown. And look, I've been the biggest 49ers cheerleader there is. I still think they're the best team in the league, but they got dominated on their own field. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think Mike McDaniel, uh, Mike McDonald, excuse me, the Ravens defensive coordinator, confused the hell out of Brock Purdy. Brock is a very young player. He's going yeah. to have games like this. It's going to happen. He got beat. They got outplayed. They got outcoached. They got out hit. Plain and simple. The Ravens can say whatever they want to say. The 49er fans just have to sit and eat it this week because you got your ass kicked. That's yeah. the simple facts of it. The Kudos to the Ravens. Kudos to Lamar, to everybody. And that, that Ravens-Dolphins game is going to be so much fun next week. Oh, my goodness. Is that going to be fun? It's going to be a good one. And I, I the first Purdy interception, I was watching that. And obviously, as a Steeler fan, I'm very familiar with the Ravens and how they play. And Kyle Hamilton was just sitting on it. He mm-hmm. was waiting for it. And when he picked him, I was like, it's going to be one of these games. I just had this feeling about it. It was only one interception, one turnover, but it was just the way that it happened. And now you look at San Francisco, and they're now banged up. And Brock Purdy stinger it reemerges, right? That's that. Is that his throwing side or is it his non-throwing side? Um, I think it was his throwing side, but it's two straight weeks. He's had a stinger. Now he wanted to go back in the game. He was lobbying Kyle Shanahan to go back in. And Kyle was basically like, are you nuts? 49ers had a Swiss cheese offensive line in there at the end of the game. Trent Williams is banged up. He wanted to go in. Kyle Shanahan told him no. The crazy part about this game is the 49ers threw three interceptions in the first half. Yet they go into halftime down just four points and getting the ball first coming out of halftime. So as bad as they played, I was sitting there at halftime saying, they're letting the 49ers hang around. Like this could be a game where you steal one and then it completely snowballed in the third quarter. The Ravens did to the 49ers what the 49ers have done to everybody in the third quarter. San Francisco gets the ball first possession. They go three and out. They punt the ball away. They give up a big punt return for 23 yards. And then the punter hits the returner late out of bounds to give the Ravens 15 more yards. They scored a touchdown three plays later to go up by multiple scores. And then the first play when the Niners got the ball back after that, Brock Purdy throws another interception. And then the play after that, the Ravens throw a touchdown pass. And that from that point on, the game was over. It was 30 to 12, and it was just a runaway after that. So the Niners go into halftime down four points less than four minutes into the third quarter. It was 30 to 12. The first half was fluky too. Like when you talk about the interceptions, you talk about the safety where Lamar Jackson trips over the umpire and he gets called for a safety, which there was a clip of the ref. They zoomed into his face. And as he's going down, he realizes I'm about to fall down. I'm in the end zone. These I'm right in the middle of this play. And he, the look of guilt and shame on the referee's face as he's going down was priceless. 
Well, who would have thought to, I, I'm not one to defend NFL officiating, but who would have thought that it, he's like 30 yards behind the play. He never would have thought that Lamar Jackson is going to pivot and come all the way back as he's evading pressure and right. somehow trip over him. So a lot of people are pissed at the official. I can't blame the guy. These aren't professional athletes with the agility to move and manipulate the, their bodies the way that these athletes do. It was just a weird play. It was a weird, weird play. I thought that would have been a turning point to get San Fran back in it. But like you said, at halftime, it was close. Um, I, I don't think San Francisco, you mentioned this last week. They, they, they entered this game with less pressure, right? In the NFC playoff picture, they're still 11 and four, still the number one seed. And you look at their remaining games. They have commanders next week. The four, the, they finished with the Rams at home. You got to be pretty confident. So they're going to lock up that bye week and they'll need it. They're a banged up group. Yes, they need the bye week more than anybody. And that's what I that was my message to Niners fans after the game. Yeah, it hurts, but everything they want is still within their grasp. They win those two games. They are the number one seed. Doesn't matter what anybody else does. And you would have taken that before the year started. If I told you the Niners are going to be the number one seed in the NFC going into the playoffs, probably the Super Bowl favorite if they get the number one seed, of course you would have taken it. Yes, this loss hurts. Yes, you know, you don't like the way they played. But they win next week against Washington. They beat the Rams. And you're in exactly the spot you hope to be in when the season began 18 weeks ago. Yeah. It, well, we'll see how that plays out. Let's go. To, let's stay on Christmas Day, a game that I found fascinating for so many reasons. It was really odd to watch. It was the first game of the, the triple header, and that was Raiders and Chiefs in Kansas City. The Raiders win 20-14. to 14, And for the first time in a long time, I watched most of a Chiefs game and I watched Patrick Mahomes look very kind of mundane. He looked like a, a, an average quarterback. Now, I'm not here to say that like Patrick Mahomes is done. Now, he's still a phenomenal quarterback. But the way that that game played out with the turnovers, the pick six, I mean, it was just so strange to watch. The Chiefs had no answer for the Raiders' pass rush. Rob, you probably watched this game. What were you thinking as you watched the, the AFC West? They had a chance to lock up the division, and now it goes another week. The Raiders did not complete a pass after the first quarter and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, think about that. They didn't complete a pass, not a screen, not a slant, nothing after the first quarter. And yet they beat the Chiefs. That tells you about the defense the Raiders had. It tells you about the offensive struggles of Kansas City. I mean, think about that. Patrick Mahomes couldn't beat a team that couldn't beat a pa complete a pass after the first quarter. But. That's who the Chiefs are this season. You need good players. Yes, they have Travis Kelsey. Yes, they have Patrick Mahomes. Yes, they have Andy Reid. All that is true. I know those are great, great players, but you need more than that. It is a team sport. And right now, the Chiefs, they don't have the ammunition on offense. They just don't. You can't make your quarterback have to be Superman every single play, every single week. And that's why the Chiefs are struggling. You're seeing these. The Chiefs also have had... You know, it's a wonderful life. We'll keep it with a uh, a Christmas theme here. They've had a wonderful few years. I mean, they really have. They've been blessed in many ways from the football gods that Patrick Mahomes goes there. And, and obviously they have this, this great mix of talent. Well, that, that's kind of been thinned out with the monster contract to Mahomes. This is, hey, time to pay the piper, so to speak. However, I saw that you saw Travis Kelsey blowing up on the sideline, just, you know, angry. You see Patrick Mahomes throwing his hands up. I got to be honest, they don't look like a team that could even get it together and be a contender in the AFC. And I can't believe I just said that. I cannot believe it. When you're talking about the Dolphins, the Ravens looking as good as they did on Monday night, when you're even talking about some of these outliers, I just don't see the Chiefs as being the Chiefs. 
I don't know if you agree or disagree. Well, they're not. They're clearly not the Chiefs this year. Yeah. And I think that the frustration that you're seeing is just they have the same problems week after week after week. Players not knowing where to line up. There was one play in this game where a receiver comes out and he's in the wrong spot. And Mahomes is trying to tell him where to go and he doesn't get there in time and they have to waste the time out. And Mahomes is sitting there like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> we have to get our stuff together. And they just haven't. And they haven't done it consistently. They are not the same team. Like you said, it was a magical, magical run. Patrick Mahomes has never played a road playoff game. They've made it to the AFC Championship every single year that Patrick Mahomes has been a starter, at least to the AFC Championship. That had to end at some point. It's really hard to do that year after year in the NFL. Mahomes is going to have to go on the road in the playoffs this year. Not saying he can't win those games. He absolutely could. But it's going to be tough. I've said it on this show. I've said it on other shows. I have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey fatigue. I am so sick of seeing them on every commercial. I'm sick of the Taylor Swift crap. I'm I'm just sick of seeing them. It, to me, them they're struggling. I'm like the Grinch when he just gets that wily grin on his face. I I, I actually enjoy it as an AFC team. Uh, obviously, I like the the Steelers. I, I I get sick and tired of the same team winning all the time. It was the same with the Patriots and Tom Brady's era. That's the way they are. Let's let's stick with the AFC for a second. We talked about the Dolphins, talked about the Ravens. There was a lot of movement in the AFC playoff picture. Teams that you didn't think were still alive are still alive because of some really strange results. And I think one of the strangest results for me was the Indianapolis Colts, who were coming off of blowing the doors off the Pittsburgh Steelers. They go to Atlanta. And you're thinking, okay, it's Atlanta. The, the Colts, even with Gardner Minshew, should be able to win this game. They don't. They lose 29-10. to 10. And now the Indianapolis Colts are looking at, they're on the, they might be on the outside looking in. The Falcons put up 29 points. You're thinking, wow, that's like, that's like a huge game for them. <laughs> the Colts are eight and seven. What did you think about this one? I mean, I don't think the Colts are a particularly good team. They've had a decent record this year, but, you know, kind of like I said to the Falcons, like you can't lose to the Panthers a week ago. Like you just cannot do it. I'm saying the same thing about the Colts this year. Like if you're going to be a team that's going to, get in the playoffs and be taken seriously and maybe make some noise. Like you can't lose to the underachieving under 500 Falcons who have just gotten in their own way and tripped over their own feet all season. You can't even with a backup quarterback, you can't do that if you're the Colts. And yet they put up a stinker, an absolute stinker. You get worked by multiple scores by a Falcons team that could not score against frigging Carolina. I don't care about the weather in that game. It's a bad showing by Indy. Yeah. And, and again, that, that, there's a lot of implications in that game. The Colts could have really, you know, put a stamp on, hey, we're going to be here to the end. Now you're wondering if they're going to make the postseason. Doesn't look good. They have a big game coming up with Houston. Let's talk about the Houston Texans and the Cleveland Browns. Joe Flacco, Joe freaking Flacco <laughs> comes back from the dead. And he and Amari Cooper look like they've been playing together for 10 years. And the, Joe Flacco's always had a pretty deep ball. They, sometimes in Baltimore, it was the heave and pray offense, hope for a pass interference call or a big completion. He and Amari Cooper, because I watched a lot of this game, they've got this connection. And Amari Cooper's having this resurgence. He's had a phenomenal game. I think he had over 200 yards receiving in this game. Rob, the Browns blow the doors off the Texans. And don't look now, they've won 10 games. They're 10 and 5. I don't know. I, I Like, who could have predicted this? <laughs> Joe Flacco off the couch is thrown for 368 and dropping dimes in the bucket. Yeah. It just goes to show when you have one of those arms that is just touched by the football gods and you can say what you want about Joe Flacco, his arm is incredible and still is. Yeah. 
you know, he's a veteran player. He's been around. He's seen a lot of defenses. And I think if you're Flacco, you're just like, man, whatever. I'll just let it rip. Like, I didn't even think I was going to be playing in the league this year, you know? Like, and he's thrown some interceptions. He had two oh, more yeah. picks in this game, but I think he's going YOLO. Like, whatever, man. Let it rip. I've had a great career. I've made a ton of money, especially for someone that, you know, was never really the best quarterback in the league. Good for him. And, and if you're a Browns fan, just enjoy this, man. You've gone through slop. You've gone through 0-16 seasons, 1-15 seasons, which I believe are back-to-back, -back, by the way. You have earned this. Don't worry about where it's going to go from here. Just enjoy week to week that this is happening because these are special years too. Even if they don't end in championships, these are cool years that do not come around often. And you know that if you're a Browns fan. So I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, he's thrown, I think, five five interceptions in the last two weeks. Yep. But you know what the difference is? The Browns defense is really good. And when yes. you have a Case Keenum slash Davis Mills, again, they're, they're rotating quarterbacks like it's high school football. What the hell are they doing? I don't know. But when you have this, Set up where, hey, like the defense is almost saying to Flacco, let it rip, man. If not, we'll bail you out. Don't worry about it. Like we got you. Their defense is doing their job. This game was a blowout. And then the Texans scored two quick touchdowns. And then Miles Garrett and the crew had to come back in. But still, the Browns win. That was a big win. And it was a huge loss for the Texans. But that AFC South, let's finish it up with the Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Th this might be one of the, the most difficult teams to try and wrap my brain around. They were really good early on in the season. They had that stretch where they had won, I think, six games in a row on the road. They were overseas for a while in Europe. And then they had their bye week. And since the bye week, it's been really bad. They lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not to take away from Tampa Bay. Baker Mayfield's playing good football. They lose 30 to 12. And not only do they only score 12 points, Trevor Lawrence continues to get injured. And this is a problem, Rob. I don't know if they're if the AFC South is Jacksonville's to have or not. They just, they look like they, they're not ready to come out of the oven yet, right? Like this team is just not quite ready to compete on that level. Like you said, they've lost four straight. Trevor Lawrence just got out of the concussion protocol on Saturday, and then he's got banged up with a shoulder injury now. You know, he's not on Andrew Luck's level as a prospect because I think that Trevor Lawrence's hype was overblown and Andrew Luck lived up to the hype. But what do we see with Andrew Luck? He came in and he just got beat to hell by the Colts. Yeah. And I feel like with Trevor Lawrence, it's, these injuries are starting to rack up, man. He has gone through the ringer early in his career. He's obviously going through it right now. Didn't look totally great when he was in there. And it's just, I just think the Jags, I don't know what's missing there. I don't know if it's another player on offense, a receiver. I don't know if it's a, a pass rusher on defense. Something is just... The, the infinity gauntlet is not complete in Jacksonville the way it is with other teams. And good for Tampa Bay. Good for Baker Mayfield, man. He's bounced around a lot. But when he has shown, when you have talent around him, he can play a little bit. And he's doing it in Tampa Bay. I know that their record is only 8-7, and seven, but Baker has played pretty well. And I, I you know, I, I've always liked Baker, so I hope it continues. Yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay, NFC South is going to have a representative in the playoffs, so it might be them. I think they're leading... The NFC South right now, but Atlanta winning keeps them in the mix. New Orleans lost on Thursday night, so they're probably out of it with only two weeks to play. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. That AFC South, we already talked about the Colts. We obviously talked about the Jaguars, and we talked about the Texans. There are some really critical games coming up there, and there's going to have a lot of implications with the AFC playoff picture. A team like Pittsburgh, who's 8-7, and seven, but coming off of a win over Cincinnati, is really going to be hoping 
that the Jaguars lose one of those and then the Texans and maybe drop another one. They could find their way back into the playoff picture. Not saying that matters, but just as a Steeler fan, I got to mention that. All right, let's go to the <laughs> NFC and let's talk about some of those games. Some big games here. Let's start with Christmas Day, Giants-Eagles. And this wasn't really a big game because Tommy DeVito gets replaced by Tyrod Taylor and the Eagles win 33-25. to If you slept through it and woke up, you'd say, oh, okay, it's a division game. It was close. This was maybe one of the least impressive Eagles wins that I've seen. I, I was not impressed by anything the Eagles done. There were mental mistakes out the wazoo. Uh, to me, it was kind of typified by the very end of the first half. There's only a few seconds remaining, mm-hmm. and Jalen Hurts scrambles, and he makes a cut inside oh. instead of running out of bounds and gets saved by a, a penalty on the New York Giants, and they end up getting to kick a field goal at halftime. He threw a pick six. He doesn't look right. They don't look, nothing looks in rhythm and sync. If I'm an Eagles fan, yeah, they won. And that's big for the division and where you rank in the NFC, but you can't be confident in the team heading into the playoffs. Do you agree or disagree, Rob? I agree. And I think, you know, kind of like what we've been saying with the Chiefs, you know, all through the year, it's like, well, they're not really back to looking like the Chiefs yet. They haven't played their best ball yet. Like at some point, this is your ball. Like this is what you are. This is who the Eagles are. They are not this like heady, gritty, grind that out team. They're kind of a team that that doesn't quite have their stuff together. They make mental mistakes. The entire crowd is chanting at them, run the ball. <laughs> like the whole stadium is telling them what to do. This is who they are. Their defense is not very good. It's incredibly vulnerable. And they really need Jalen Hurts to use his legs. And and they just they don't make smart decisions. Like what is Sirianni? Is he an offensive guy? Is he a defensive guy? Is he a motivational coach? Is he like a CEO management coach? I don't know what he is. I feel like his whole goal is to get past interference flags and get close to do the tush push. That's basically what he is. The young kids would say he's a vibe. That's all he is. He's just a I'm vibe. Worried. He's like, <laughs> he's, fly, and it's he's that vibe. guy on the side. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know much about Nick Sirianni and what his background is. And you do have to ask as well. Let's not overlook the fact that the Eagles, what was it? Two weeks ago, completely changed their defensive play caller. That they, they, yeah, they just, yeah, they went to Matt Patricia. So you can't tell me that all's well and good in Philly when you're making that adjustment this late in the season. So I don't know. Like you mentioned earlier in the show, the Eagles have a pretty easy ride the rest of the way. They are 11 and four right now. They have the Cardinals at home next week, and they finish up at the Giants in week 18. We'll see, but the, I don't, hey, you're talking about trends, right? Going into the playoffs, I don't think they're trending in the right direction. Not Absolutely either. not. I mean, look, the Giants with Tyrod Taylor, not even Tommy DeVito, Tyrod Taylor had the ball at your 26 yard line, four seconds left with a chance to tie the game in a one score yeah. game. Now, the Eagles intercepted the pass. So credit to them. But like, should you really have been in that position in the first place? If you're the Eagles, I would think they would say no. They would have said no going into the game. So yeah, they won, but have they looked impressive? Absolutely not. No. Hey, let's talk about another NFC, big NFC North game. The Detroit lions. This was on uh, Sunday, the Detroit lions, Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. The lions had an opportunity to secure the NFC North. They hadn't won that division in a really long time. And they get the job done 30 to 24. Another weird game. Nick Mullins driving the team down the down the field with and he throws a duck. Like he throws a dead duck. I mean, it 
There's no other way to describe it. I'm watching this. Justin Jefferson is actually open, and <laughs> he throws a dead duck, and it gets picked off. And you see Justin Jefferson afterwards with his helmet off. Like, I can't believe this. Like, what are we doing? I don't know what to say about this team, but the Lions win 30-24. to 24. Rob, your take. Uh, that is the Nick Mullins special. He came from San <laughs> yeah, Francisco. You know. I have seen that movie before. He makes some plays, and you're like, all right, we're moving the ball. And he just has just these gut-wrenching, heart-crushing turnovers. And the crazy thing is, Mullins threw four picks in the game. The Lions only turned that into seven points. Like, they scored their points on their own. They, they probably should have scored more points in the game, to be honest with you. But you're not going to beat anybody when you throw four interceptions. Yeah. That's just not the case. The Lions have a really good offense. I still think their defense is incredibly suspect. But you know what? We were talking about the Browns. This is the first division title the Lions have ever won in their history. Their fans have been through hell. Enjoy this. You have earned it. You have put in the blood, sweat, and tears. I still don't think Dan Campbell is like this amazing, incredible head coach. I think he's just kind of a guy. But they're winning. And they haven't done that in a long time in Detroit. And they deserve credit because they have one of the best records in the NFC, 11-4. and four. They're not out of the running for the number one seed. Now, they need help from the 49ers. But Detroit, there is a world where the Lions have home field advantage in the playoffs. And I think they, more than any other team in the NFC, even more than Dallas, I think Detroit needs home field. I do not like Detroit in the playoffs outside in the winter. Yeah. So if they could get it, that would be huge for them. You bring up Nick Sirianni. Like, what is he? You know, Dan Campbell is a motivator. Like, yes. You know what Dan Campbell is. He might not be the X's and O's guru who's drawn up these unique designs. He is the motivator. He, Hey, we're going to bite your kneecaps off. What? Like He's going to try and motivate a team. So I th I do think there are coaches that can thrive like that. We'll see if it, it's, it's sustainable. I agree with you. Cleveland Browns fans should be ecstatic. There are Browns fans. I see this on social media that are already talking about next season. And well, Flacco is going to be gone. They got to go back to Deshaun Watson. Screw that talk, man. Just enjoy this year. And there's going to be people in Detroit saying, well, is Jared Goff the answer? Who cares? Worry about this season and just enjoy the hell out of it. Because, yes, could the wheels fall off next year? But that's next year. Just enjoy it now. So that's 100%. a good bit of it. Yeah. You're going to have the long, hot summer to talk about Jared Goff in the future and what you should do a quarterback. And that's a conversation worth having. I get that. But you're not getting rid of Jared Goff right now. So don't worry about it right now. Exactly. All right, let's do some one-liners here to talk about these other games that we might have missed that really don't have any meaning outside of the draft order. Let's talk about the Washington Commanders. They they bench Sam Howell again, and Jacoby Brissett comes in. The Jets were dominant in this game. Commanders, though, lose 30-28. to 28. Uh, Go ahead, Rob. What is your one-liner on this game? Washington is Washington, and you gave up 30 points to the hapless Jets offense. Just another waste of a year in Washington. The only good thing that happened this year for the Commanders is that Dan Snyder is not the owner. True. And for those that are keeping tabs, it was only one sack of Sam Howell, so the Sam Howell sack tracker, I don't think he's going to break that record, unfortunately. Good. Uh, <laughs> for his health. Jeez. Okay, let's go to Seattle and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, even a Derrick Henry touchdown pass was not enough to win the game. Seahawks win 20 to 17. Keep their playoff hopes alive, I believe, at eight and seven. They're still kind of in the mix on the fringe. What's your take? Uh, the Seahawks slightly have their stuff together. The Titans don't have their stuff together at all. And all of a sudden, the NFC West is looking like it might send three teams to the playoffs. There you go. And yeah, absolutely. They could, uh, the Packers and Panthers went head to head down in Carolina Packers pull away with a victory 33 to 30. And, uh, yeah, this was a game that I didn't watch a second of. 
Bryce <laughs> Young actually looked good, which is for for Carolina fans like that is something, right? You want some glimmer of hope from him that you didn't just totally whiff on this pick. And he probably had his best game as a pro so far. So credit to him. And, you know, the Packers, I don't think are very good, but they're not Panthers level bad. So they were able to pull it out. There you go. Final game of the slate, which was Sunday and Monday. Cardinals 16, Bears 27. Justin Fields, he's answering a lot of questions, in my opinion, whether he is the answer, that's debatable. But the Bears have kind of come back from the dead. They're six and nine. They're not going to make it a playoffs. But still, a lot of people thought they'd be vying for the top seed or top pick in the NFL draft. That's not the case. What's your take? Uh, my take is what the Bears need to do is look at the entire Justin Fields picture. Do not be swayed by whatever he does in this last handful of games this year. Look at the bigger sample size. And if you decide you want to keep him fine, but I'm just saying, don't be like, well, he played good the last three or four games. So we have to keep it like, no, what you do with these draft picks is going to be incredibly, incredibly important. You are at a fork in the road as a franchise. And the decision that you make is either going to lead to years of prosperity and success and happiness, or it's going to be more misery and more quarterback purgatory, which is basically the Bears' entire history in my life. <laughs> I Speaking of fork in the road, I almost forgot this game. I don't know how. Patriots-Broncos. Like, what a game that was on Sunday night, I guess. Patriots find a way to win 26-23. to Russell Wilson, the fork in the road is they're going to have a huge decision to make with his contract this offseason. It's going to be really interesting to see what the Broncos do. The Broncos were once left for dead. The, the resurgence falls short. They're seven and eight after this loss. The Patriots win their fourth game. They're four and 11. Maybe this is Bill Belichick giving the middle finger to the team. They're moving on from him after this season. You're not getting the top pick. We're going to win games down the stretch. What's your take on this on the final game? You know, a couple of times the Broncos have had a chance here to really put pressure on the Chiefs this season and really kind of rise up and they don't do it. You know, they lose to the Texans 22-17. They get their doors blown off by the Lions 42-17. And even this game, you know, you're fighting, you're clawing against the Patriots, a bad team, but you're still in it. You, you force overtime in the game, you get the ball in overtime and you can't do anything. Like you have to figure out a way to win these games when you have that opportunity and they can't do it. You can't stop the Patriots from going down the field and beating you. It's a bad, bad look. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. So it's a race to the finish here in the NFL, Rob, after week 16. It is week 16. Uh, well, what's your take? Anything? Any final thoughts? Oh, my goodness. This The next two weeks are going to be so much fun. You have Lions-Cowboys on Saturday, the 30th. That's going to be just a big game with big implications for both sides. You've got Miami and Baltimore, like we talked about. Yes, please sign me up for that. Cincinnati, Kansas City, all of a sudden is a lot more important because of the Chiefs loss. You've got some games on the schedule that are massively, massively important. And it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, you didn't bring up Seattle, Pittsburgh, but that's fine. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I don't want to lie to people. <laughs> All right, Rob, thanks for your time. Hey, give everyone a shout out uh, to where they can find your stuff with the 49ers and where they can get you on socials. So I'm on all the socials at Stats on Fire. If you want 49ers coverage, go to goldstandardniners.com or check out our YouTube channel, Gold Standard 49ers. Just search that. It pops right up. YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, all that fun stuff. Uh, like and subscribe. I promise you we will make it worth your while. Absolutely. And you can check me out uh, on socials with or on Twitter at Jay Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Search Steel Curtain Network. Find my work on the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's it. 
another fans first football shows in the books. Rob, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Anytime.